Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. How can the ways that we go about storytelling either cause division, fear, or hatred, or inspire harmony, empathy, and connection? And in turn, how does this impact our abilities to realize a more sustainable future more quickly? That's what we'll be exploring today in this Mini Bloom Tuesday episode, featuring our special guest who is an environmental journalist and storyteller hoping to share stories that can generate impact, discussion, change, and hope for a better future. She's written for National Geographic, the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, Yes Magazine, Astronomy Magazine, and more, and primarily focuses on how climate change and environmental issues impact the lives of marginalized or indigenous people around the world. And may I add that she's actually also one of my best friends who inspires me so greatly. And so I'm just really excited for this opportunity to be able to formally learn from her with you. Before diving in, I have a super exciting news for you, and that is that our 2019 Green Dreamer planners are alive. In addition to everything on the inside of the planner intended to help you maximize your new year, every planner purchase also supports the planting of 50 trees. That's five zero, like a forest. So really, it was created to support you and our planet to thrive. To check out our six designs you can choose from, you can just head to greendreamer.com. And also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, your purchase will really support the continued production of the show. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart if you do end up finding something that you love. And yeah, I honestly just hope that it will be able to help you realize your milestones and dreams for 2019. I also have another update for you at the very end of this episode, so stay tuned. But for now, on to why single-story narratives can cause fear and division, and how responsible holistic storytelling can inspire greater harmony, collaboration, and positive change in our world. Green Dreamer starting off with what got her interested in the impact of different approaches to storytelling. Here's Janice Cantieri. So my first experience with journalism was actually um, as an undergraduate at Washington University. I took a summer and visited a tiny island country in the Pacific called Kiribati. This country I was really interested in visiting because... It's right at sea level, and I had read a few news articles about the country, and they all said that this country is going to be underwater in 30 years, and all the people will have to leave, and it'll be the first country that will be non-existent because of climate change. I was fascinated by that and wanted to go and see what was actually happening on the ground and how this was affecting people's daily lives. And so I went as a student fellow with the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and I had no experience reporting and didn't really know what I was doing, but I had two months in this country. I went there with the perception that these people were victims of climate change and large developed nations polluting the atmosphere and contributing to, you know, rising ocean levels. And they were suffering because of our consumption. And when I was there, it took me a while to break out of that mindset. It really became apparent that these people were not victims. 
they didn't want to leave their country. And they, in fact, were extremely innovative in finding ways to stay on their island. That wasn't captured in any of the news stories. And I felt in contributing to victim-centered narrative, a lot of the mainstream media had failed these people and they'd stripped them of their dignity and their agency. The reality on the ground was something completely different. And I, I had the luxury of living in this country for two months and then went back and lived there for a year. So I was able to really see how, how the people were developing their own solutions to adapt to the rising ocean levels. People were planting mangroves. They were building their own seawalls and they were growing vegetables um, using hydroponics or, you know, developing new innovative ways to remain self-sufficient and maintain their culture and their way of life on their islands. That's not to say that they're not facing many challenges, but I tried capturing some of those adaptations in my journalism because it felt more true to the reality. You talk about the dangers of single story narrative. Is this what you mean by single story narrative is having one way of looking at a particular story that then gets perpetuated and almost becomes a stereotype of what's happening? Yeah, exactly. This is something that definitely has happened with Kiribati. It makes sense why it's happened because it's a really remote place that it's really, it's hard to get to. There's not much available online or, you know, even in literature to, to read about the country before you show up there. So it makes sense that journalists who only have a week or two weeks to visit a country will find people that kind of fit the narrative that they had in their head before they arrived. And one particular instance I remember really vividly, it was the first time I was in Kiribati and this team of Greenpeace uh, storytellers came in and were trying to tell the story of Kiribati and how people were suffering because of climate change. And they visited a family and had a man pull up a bucket of water from his water well and explain that his his water was really salty now because the ocean had come up and gone into his water well. And that's happened, you know, that's happened across the country. But this particular man, then after they had this interview, was saying, this water I've never really used for drinking. You know, I use it for other things. My drinking water I get from a different place. And it just felt really disingenuous. And I think could really be doing a disservice to the overall message or cause that people were trying to explain. So do you think sometimes storytellers go into a particular situation already having a story they want to tell and so might end up uh, cherry picking for information that serves the narrative they want to share? I think that does happen to a certain degree, but I think it's unintentional. I think journalists go in with a list of questions and sometimes have a limited amount of time to find people that meet those needs that they have for the story. This is something that everyone has to, to work at. I'm not any expert on this by any means, but it just is really something that can only be addressed if you really take the time to meet a bunch of different types of people, get different perspectives, and are very 
aware of your own biases, your own humanity and and morals and beliefs that that you hold that might shape how you are listening to someone. In this particular situation, I guess previously storytellers may have been wanting to show the direness of climate change and how it's negatively impacting people around the world. What are the dangers of single story narratives as it relates to sustainability? So in this case, you're showing that, you know, they're really innovative in what they're doing to adapt and to just victimize them. It doesn't really tell the full story, but what's at stake when we do that? When we do tell these really dramatic, sad stories of people suffering of the impacts of climate change or or an environmental problem, it feels like it could be, you know, a way to make people care about what's happening to our world and our planet. I think there is value in that. And there is a place and a time for sharing stories of people affected by climate change or environmental issues. But there also has to be an aspect of storytelling, especially with environmental and sustainability issues that is addressing how resilient people are and how they are coming up with ways of managing these problems or addressing them or responding to them in any kind of way. Because if all of the stories are just really, really sad stories of people suffering and dying from droughts and famines and all of that, everyone will be paralyzed and overwhelmed by how big and how unmanageable this this problem is. If there's reporting on what people are doing to change things or to address these problems, then people will pay attention, start implementing things into their lives as well and support different projects that are actually working to help communities adapt to climate change or adapt to sea level rise. If there is that dialogue started, then change will actually start to happen because it's not really going to happen very quickly at a policy level or an international level. It needs to happen with grassroots people to people action. If people know about these things, then they're more likely to become involved themselves. So as we go about consuming content as readers, as listeners, what should we keep in mind to ensure that we're getting uh, as clear, as objective as possible of a portrayal of whatever's happening and not being influenced by the potentially arbitrary and subjective lens that the author may be putting on it? So that's actually pretty hard to do as a reader because it's hard to know where the journalist is coming from or how much time they spent with the communities that they're writing about and what motives they had with the story or what they brought to the table. What I try to do is read about a certain issue from as many sources as possible. A resource that I think is good for getting an alternative perspective would be the Solutions Story Tracker, which is run by the Solutions Journalism Network, which is a database of um, reporting on responses to social problems. So it's reporting on communities around the world that are responding to all of the, the major issues that are happening in the world. There's so many people doing doing things to address problems. They just aren't always getting to be in the mainstream, the mainstream media. And also as people who want to help raise awareness for important issues and to help elevate the voices of marginalized people or people with less privilege and access, 
How can we be more responsible storytellers ourselves to not perpetuate a certain way of looking at a situation? This is something that is a work in progress for everyone. I don't think there is. I think everyone needs to be consciously working on it, especially journalists and storytellers. But I think to try and really be present with people and to be really aware of what you're bringing to the table, whether that's privilege or you know your own beliefs on a certain a certain issue, trying to put that aside and be conscious of it, but really listen to people when you're talking to them. Take the time to really get to know them. I recently attended the Solutions Journalism Summit, and this was a weekend in in Sundance, and we all talked about how journalism can contribute to lessening polarization and lessening divides between people within our country and, and also around the world. There was an article that was published by Amanda Ripley, who wrote this piece called Complicating the Narratives. It's really fantastic piece that looks into how fear and, you know, polarization can happen when one narrative is kind of perpetuated and it's not complex and not capturing someone's full humanity. And so we did a mediation training at the summit and learned some of the tools that people use in conflict resolution and how to implement those when we're reporting. And so we learned how to really make sure we were hearing people when we were interviewing them and how to step back and listen and make sure we're trying to understand people and where they're coming from because people are people and they all have reasons for believing what they do. And if we're catching that complexity, there's more room for understanding between people and less chance of people becoming super, super divided. Mm. And also deeper understandings of other people in spite of our differences can evoke deeper empathy, which can then inspire more harmony in our world. And that's something we really need right now. Exactly. Yes. So right now we're in a world where there's obviously a lot of information being passed around. There's storytelling of all types and uh, of, all, of all qualities. Some, of course, are done so very responsibly. Others may be more driven by presumptions or some agendas even behind the messaging, which, like you said, can really cause more stereotyping and divisiveness. When you picture a world where all storytelling and information sharing is done so more responsibly and consciously, what do you think this shift can do for a world? So I think when storytelling is done responsibly and with awareness, it can really help people see connections, even if they're reading about some place on the other side of the world in the middle of the Pacific. You know, there are ways that a story can capture humanity and emotions People can connect to that and empathize and understand things that are completely different from their experience. And I think that can contribute to positive change happening in the world. Instead of someone reading an article about climate change, for example, and reading a few sentences, seeing something that triggers something within their belief system, then they just shut, shut that article, shut out any different perspectives. I think if there is complexity and real human characters kind of captured in the story, people can relate to it and try and understand and try and expand their beliefs, even if they don't just go from denying climate change to becoming, you know, 
completely on the other side of that, they could at least change a little bit about how they they see things. And I think that could allow people to work together instead of fighting all the time. And in turn, what can greater empathy and connection and harmony within our world do for sustainability and a healthier future? I think we have to start working together because we're at a point right now where if we don't, it's going to be pretty bad. We have all of the resources and all of the tools to transition to renewables and, you know, implement a lot of these ideas that people have been working on for a while, but we just need the people to come together and start doing it. So if people are able to work together, I think that that could be really good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Where can we go to follow your work online and on social media? My Instagram is at Janice.Cantieri, C-A-N-T-I-E-R-I. And I have a Twitter that's at Janice Cantieri and my website, a lot of the, the stories I've reported are on my website and that's just JaniceCantieri.com. And that's a wrap for this Bloom Tuesday. Now for the update that I wanted to share with you, as you can see, we are quickly approaching episode 100 as our first huge milestone that's airing next week. If you've only recently discovered Green Dreamer podcast, well, there are tons of amazing episodes from earlier this year that you should definitely go back and check out as well. If you've been here a while or even since the very beginning, the launch of the podcast back in May of 2018, wow, thank you so much for being a superstar of a listener. Now I listen back to the very first episodes that we have and I kind of cringe at listening to myself. So I appreciate your support while I go through my learning journey uh, producing and hosting this show. That said, I have to admit it has been kind of nonstop for me. Definitely had my challenging moments keeping up and staying motivated through it all. So I decided that this is, you know, hitting episode 100 is also a milestone that I should allow myself to take time to celebrate. So we're going to take a two week break after episode 100 from our formal interview episodes for the holidays. And beginning early 2019, we're going to pick back up with our new schedule. It'll be slightly different. We're just going to have two numbered interviews per week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Occasionally, you might hear from me on Saturdays as well, but what you can expect for sure are two interview episodes, again, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I already have a bunch of super motivating and inspiring, insightful episodes lined up for you beginning in 2019, so yeah, stay tuned for that. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, please do get in touch with me through our website's contact page. I'm still here to support you first and foremost, so if there's anything else I can do, any way that I can improve this listening experience for you, do let me know and I'll be sure to take your feedback to heart. Again, you can find our 2019 Green Dreamer planners at greendreamer.com. Hopefully it'll really be able to support you in the new year to come. It will for sure contribute to reforestation of 50 trees and it'll also really support the continued production of this podcast into 2019. So thank you so much if you do end up finding something that you love. If planners aren't your jam or you prefer planning digitally or with other tools that you already have, uh, definitely do that. Prioritize whatever would help you the most. But if you still want to support the show, it would also be immensely helpful if you shared it on social media or with some best friends who you think would also enjoy the podcast. Okay, that's 
that's enough from me. As always, you'll be able to find links and resources from this episode at greendreamer.com slash 96 for episode 96. And you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. Finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.